and then really beginning to look at our schools as evangelization and the kind of partnership that needs to happen between the schools, the parish, and the families is so significant. We're still we're still feeling our way through that one at this point, but it's it's huge. Um, my contention is, unless our Catholic schools are putting out disciples, whether they're Catholic or not Catholic, either way, we're not doing what Jesus asked us to do. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time. And to all of you who tune in each week, you are awesome. Thank you for your listenership. It's a real encouragement to me. In today's episode, you'll meet Bishop Lou Kinneman, who I met about a year and a half ago when Father James and I were asked to speak to a group of bishops at a conference held in Steubenville, put on by our friends at St. Paul Evangelization Society. At the end of the show, I'll give you some exciting news about Father James. Bishop Blue and I had a wonderful one-on-one conversation at that conference, and I was impacted by his humility, his convictions, and his commitment. And when he talked about Catholic schools, my ears really perked up. Bishop Lou has a heart for discipleship and evangelization, as well as mobilizing people to grow the kingdom of God. There are so many great bishops in our church who could use our prayers and encouragement. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. One of the last trips I had an opportunity to take was to the Franciscan University in the U.S., where we, Father James and I participated in a, in a bishop's retreat, where I met our guest today, Bishop Lou Kinneman from Biloxi, Mississippi. Bishop Lou, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Ron. Great to see you. I look forward to seeing you again at our next meeting. That will be a lot of fun. Listen, I would love to, just for the sake of our listeners, tell us a little bit about your diocese. So the, the Diocese of Biloxi, Mississippi is the south of Mississippi. Uh, and so we are a southern missionary diocese. Uh, uh, we have a, a growing Catholic population, but we are a serious minority here. Um, and we've got uh, 52 churches uh, and 15 schools and a, a uh, really strong Catholic charities and uh, ministry to the deaf and disabled ministry uh, in the diocese. Probably about 56,000 Catholics, I think we are uh, at this point. Uh, uh, And it's really been amazing to me to see the commitment from the people uh, because we are a a minority. And uh, Mm. that's the first time in my life I've been a minority. (laughs) It really is. It's amazing the difference. And uh, the people, their commitment to the faith and their desire also for Catholic education has been tremendous. I got 4,000 kids in Catholic school in a missionary diocese, which is quite, quite amazing. Uh, so, and it's been a joy to be here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of the South and uh, 
went to summer camp here when I was younger. And uh, so I have a, a love for the area and a love for the people deeply. And uh, uh, we're a pretty good mix. We have a, a pretty good sized Hispanic community too, and Vietnamese community, but uh, uh, you know, we, and African-American too. I've got six African-American churches, which I dearly love. They, those liturgies are just out of sight. Wonderful. I need a lift. That's where I go to celebrate mass. Boy, what a bunch of wonderful, faithful folks. Uh, it's great. So. I'm laughing because we, uh, the last parish I was at, uh, um, the priest, an African priest. And, uh, he just he just made a dance. He just full of joy, and he loves music. And and uh, the African we have an African mass there once a month. And I haven't had a chance because of COVID to to participate. But I hear just how joyful it is, and and how the just people are just moving with the music. Yeah, and yeah. I would love to experience that. That would be spirit so filled. Yeah, yeah, spirit that's filled. true. Yeah, that Father Toshiku is uh, is the pastor's name at uh, Christ the King in Dartmouth. So I, I bet that's a lot of fun. So you said something interesting. You said I've never been a minority before, and I I would say that would be my experience too. So you grew up in a more of a Catholic area. Is that what you're saying? I did yeah. So I was born in Louisiana, and then of course uh, I served in Texas and Mexico, and both places. You know we're. Catholics are the majority. So when you, yeah. when you, the bishop speaks, it's not, hey, you, it's actually your excellency. Whereas right. here, it's, hey, you. <laughs> it's, it's a different story. Obviously, my people, it's your excellency, but <laughs> <You're>. <laughs> it's, really, it's really quite comical. So. <laughs> I suppose that would be true. How else do you experience it in terms of, you know, being in an area where, where, being Catholic is a minority. How does that? You know, there's, that? there's, there is a certain amount of, uh, you know, Mississippi has grown a lot over the years. And so the Mississippi I knew 50 years ago and the Mississippi I know now is really different. And so the, 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 uh, you know, the, our first Bishop was an African-American Bishop, a mm -hmm. uh, person of color. And he told me before he passed away that he really didn't have any moments in the diocese when he felt persecuted, which is amazing. Right. Amazing. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, for his skin color, especially. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a, a huge different shift in Mississippi. Uh, and then a willingness to work together has been much better than it was uh, much yeah. better now. At, at the further north you go in Mississippi, the more difficult it is, and there is still some prejudice, especially against Catholics. Okay, uh, so that still exists a bit, but sure. it's it's not as rampant here in the South as it would be in the north of Mississippi. Okay, uh, and even there, it's beginning to really ebb. Uh, you know, the, the I think the people are realizing we're we're all God's creation and God loves us all. And yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, we're, we're slowly getting there, uh, but we've still got some work to do. <laughs> it's, so. a, it's a simple message, isn't it? And I think we all know that in our heart, but boy, we can get caught up in some things that, that I, I don't think would honor God as much. And it's tricky culturally. So I'm glad that that's starting to work its way through and certainly in our prayers. I love that. And so within your diocese, and just to give you some perspective, I think our diocese is about 20,000. And we have about uh, 20 parish units. Um, 
right now in Halifax. So you're a lot bigger than we are. You might feel small compared to Texas and Mexico. <laughs> yeah, <do we> ever. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, so we're a little, nothing short of a dot on the map for up, up here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. But um, I'd love to hear, you know, some of the things you're excited about right now, because it's been a it's been a difficult season with COVID and everything, but we're all in that boat. But there are often times to rejoice, even in the midst of tragedy and chaos. And so what's got you excited right now? Well, we, you know, we really have had a lot of uh, uh, blessings. Uh, and, you know, when COVID started, I was I was starting to write a pastoral letter on evangelization. And my intention was to write like a two-page letter that would go out. Well, 75 pages later, uh, I, I realized the Holy Spirit had taken over. And so, so during the whole COVID crisis, I was writing uh, the, the document that we have now, and you can get it online too. It's called Missio Nostra, Our Mission. Uh, and we're really excited about it because it's, it's, it's been a compilation for us of uh, a lot of different questions that people have been asking us over the last few years as we've talked about evangelization and discipleship and what it means. And, and then where do you start? How do you begin moving? Uh, what do you, what's the process? Uh, and all of that, uh, you know, we're, we're still working through some of that, but the book is our, our effort to, to really answer some of those kind of questions, you know. Uh, and so we, we've been giving workshops all the way through COVID. <laughs> so we just cut the numbers down you right. know, and spread everybody out. And, uh, we, we didn't, we didn't miss a beat. We kept rolling. Uh, Beautiful. now our parishes, obviously, uh, it took a while for us to come back and we're still coming back even now. You know, you and the rest of the world are still working it out. Like we're all working this stuff out so that we can take a fresh approach that engages and. Uh, unites people in a sense of purpose and passion in ways that are successful, like to actually show fruit from mm-hmm. our work and our labor. But your story about starting with two pages and ending up with 75 reminds me of Father James' uh, situation when when the previous bishop asked him to take St. Benedict Parish. Father, Father James agreed and asked if he could make it a little bit of a pastoral laboratory because so much of what mm-hmm. we're doing as church isn't working anymore. And he just didn't feel comfortable going into this new church, continuing to do things that we know don't work. And right. so the bishop said, uh, he said, yes, but he said, I need you to write down what that means and looks like, because I want to remember what I'm saying yes to. Because if you go in that direction, people are going to complain because people don't sure. like, they like the fruit of change. They don't like the process of change. And so, you know, father sat down and that actually became the, the, the framework for the entire book, Divine Renovation, but that wasn't his intent. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it sounds like that's the Holy Spirit did the same thing to you. And so I'll have to yeah. get on your website and start reading that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a blessing. It's good. It's a good point for us to jump off of. And I, I am uh, also feeling blessed by Father James's book and books, plural. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm reading his one on dioceses right now. And uh, of course he's, he's, I think he's right on. <laughs> I think right. he's right on. It's uh, a great really do. And yeah. So that's yeah. part of what we've been trying to do here is to make that kind of a shift on a diocesan level yeah. and image it to all of our parishes and schools and ministries and families. So, yeah. yeah. 
I love that. And my guess is, and, and I don't know what your experience is, but my guess is in, in terms of imaging, that casting vision, giving an invitation, also aware that some people are going to come, some people are going to wait and say, and some people are probably going to rally against it. And so it's hard to get everybody to buy in. Do you find that? Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, the classic bell curve, of course, are 2% that are uh, really awake and ready to move. And then our 16 that are kind of thinking about it and would like to move with us. And then the 34% that need to kind of be shown. And then the next 34 that really need to be shown. (laughs) And then the 16% where even if Jesus Christ himself came, they're not going to (laughs) move. So we're just giving them awareness and and enable praying them for to them see yeah. exactly enable them to see what we're doing you know <laughs> so that's the classic bell curve but yeah yeah but it is a blessing then to focus on those two and 16 percent especially yeah because they do begin to convince that that next 34 percent and yes at that point then you're at half your diocese i mean it really can get serious fast yes um, yeah you start to gain momentum as you double down on the people that are open and willing and, yeah. and hopefully, like you say, they'll win the other people over. Cause some people it's like, yeah, I've seen bishops come and go. I've seen priests come and go. I've seen ideas come and go. Why is this any different than anything else? And so they need to see that, Oh, they're serious. They mean what they say. They're actually resourcing what they said they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They're rewarding the behaviors that they said they wanted to see and it's sure. producing fruit. Hmm. Maybe we exactly. should check this out. <laughs> so exactly. what kind what kinds of things are are you working on that that you're hoping will produce some early fruit uh, with some of those early adopters? So some of the things that uh, you know we've kind of pulled together is that uh, on a just on a personal level to have uh, Ananias workshops for people and uh, Ananias retreats for people to Describe really begin. Those for us. So um, an Ananias workshop really uh, uh, enables folks, and and we're we're really coming out of our Missio Nostra, our mission document, which was set up as a study guide. So we use that uh, pretty much throughout the entire uh, weekend. It's like a retreat, and it enables folks to be able to first realize the great commission of Jesus, what it looks like, and then second, to begin to think in terms of Ananias and kind of what he went through uh, in and reaching out to Paul or Saul, uh, who became Paul, and and then what that can do, you know, for people. So how do you how do you how do you tell your story? How do you listen? How do you walk with people? How do you meet them where they are? So we we use the five thresholds of faith, especially, which uh, enables us to to uh, kind of get an, a sense of where people are. Obviously, people move through the thresholds back and forth. So it's it's it is a, it is a bit of a, a a listening technique, you know, but it enables people to do that. And then forming the faith-sharing groups that they need to be able to learn how to tell their story to one another, and then how to uh, both uh, listen, but also call them to more, whoever it is they're walking with. Mm. So our intention eventually is to have every single youth have a personal faith formation plan 
an adult that uh, is in process. And then every single youth and adult have someone walking with them as Ananias. And then all of them have the possibility of being in some kind of a faith formation, discipleship formation, Bible study, but whatever. It's got to be discipleship training, Bible study uh, to, to really begin to move. And it's a process, not a program. I've been telling the, our troops that over and over. It's not a program. And that actually has won over a number of people because they are tired of programs. A number of people are allergic to programs actually now. So uh, so that so gives you just a general idea of where we're headed as a diocese. I, I, I love the components of it. And certainly, you know, I think a lot of churches experience, you know, the same 10, 20 percent of people going through whatever we bring to the to the table, right? And so it doesn't, sure. doesn't create any newness. And so I love, I, I agree. I think that's caused, that's caused some allergies around programs. And so, <laughs> so I love it. You know, you're talking about principles, what principles, you know, sure. what's the process, what are the principles of the process that we want to live? Sure. And it sounds like it's be intentional, like have a plan that's being intentional. Don't do it by yourself. Like have a mentor. And then, and and make sure you're 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 willing to grow and, and connect in things that are going to mobilize you for impact. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And then, you know, the part of what we've shared uh, uh, is um, from uh, uh, "Made for Mission" by uh, Tim Glimkowski, yes. and uh, he really, really hits it. I think in terms of having a, a real vision that you're following. Everything aligns to the vision, and then you have your leadership is not only bought into it, but trained with it. Yes. And then everything begins to shift to, to, to work through the mission. So, for example, an altar society continues their work, but they, they also need to be in line with the vision and the mission. And the mission, of course, is making disciples. So I imagine our, I tell our altar society, it says, imagine how young and how fast you'd become young again if you do your ministry, but also are making disciples of the young women or the young men to help serve in the altar society. Same with Knights of Columbus, St. Peter Claver, all the way across the board. Right. So that's, that's the idea. And then anything that's not really building disciples, we need to take a hard look at. Does it need to, to shift or does it need to just simply not continue. Right. That's so, I love that perspective. And that's a great perspective for any of our listeners that are listening that run a ministry. It's like, don't, don't just execute your ministry. Don't just put out the schedule and make sure you have enough volunteers, but invest in them, raise them up, grow them, be a blessing yep. to them, bring them closer to Jesus, teach them to pray, teach them to read scripture, find accountability groups, like whatever you can do to grow people, not just get the ministry done. Yeah. yeah, and I'm convinced that our our vocation challenge, uh, both for priests and religious and, and deacons, but also our vocation challenge for couples living the gospel and for individuals living the gospel, will get solved if we really do move in this direction. I think it's people are going to come. I mean, that's we've got models of that throughout the country already. The the, the focus teams the Fellowship of Catholic uh, University students 
they are assigned to us. I mean, there's there's thousands of them now, thousands. I mean, they're wonderful. We have a group here in the diocese, and they are just really good. And I sent off four of our young people who are focused missionaries this year to four different universities, and uh, uh, what a blessing. Uh, and I, I just met with the four that are working in our diocese here, and I told them, I said, if I had a hundred of y'all, we could move the earth here. I agree. So they I, have so much passion, so much capacity, so much faith, so much energy. Like they're just, they're amazing people. They are. They really are. Uh, and they've made that commitment of to give their lives to Christ, no matter what their career yeah. And no matter how their lives unfold, you know, uh, mm. whether it's marriage, single life or, or priesthood and religious life, they've given their lives to Christ, which is, to me, uplifting. <laughs> you know, uh, every time they were talking about their story, I was saying, yes, amen. Yes, amen. <laughs> yes, amen. Go for it. And these are Catholic kids sharing their faith, you know, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> so unheard of in many circumstances. I think Curtis Martin and, and the Focus Group, and we have Andre Renier and CCO in Canada. They're doing very similar work, and I'm just so grateful for how yeah. they're raising up young disciples who are radically Amen. choosing Jesus. Yeah, sure, that's so fun. Listen, I wanted to ask you something: um, the difference between making disciples and making new disciples. How would you define that? So, um, you know, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really the same dynamic, but it's also subtly different. It's both ways. So uh, to, to make disciples, we really are approaching people who have entered into the thresholds of faith and are willing to move. Uh, and so all of our retreats are kind of built that way. It's just we don't really walk with them afterwards. So, you know, the marriage encounter, engaged encounter, acts, uh, you know, I can list all of them. All of them are wonderful. Corsillo, they're all wonderful. And I really encourage folks to do them. It's just we're not walking with people afterwards to enable them to, to really move into discipleship fully. And eventually to become disciple makers. So that's the other side of it. So new disciples, though, would be folks that that could be we're, they could be beginning on the periphery of the church, and we are simply inviting them just to consider meeting God and meeting God, who is the Creator and the Lover of all things, and then eventually, hopefully, bringing them to Jesus Christ, and then letting them to see His great charisma of his life, his passion, his death, his resurrection and ascension, and to to fall in love with him and eventually become, you know, full disciples. That's the yes. intention. Uh, so that would be the kind of the two movements that I would see. Mm. Um, we have a ton of people, I think, that are in that first section there that haven't quite moved into discipleship yet, but are are could be on the edge of it. Uh, but need some direction and really need some guidance. And that's really kind of where we're coming from partially right now is to, to build disciples. So we're trying to win people to discipleship and build disciples and then also then send them. So that's the model that Curtis Martin has, you know, with the focus team. Yes. And it, it does work. Um, 
but you you got to be intentional about it. You really yes. do. Otherwise, you know, we're we're doing the same thing we were doing. And my concern is that we're gonna if we don't make a shift, we're gonna be we're gonna look like Europe does right now, where some countries there's only three percent of the people going to mass, yeah. uh, and that's the bastion of Christianity back in the 15th, 16th, 17th century. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's true. It's yeah. true. That's where I know a lot of the churches that I end up working with, they, it's making new disciples that they struggle with. And so they'll have new ways of doing things with the people they already have. But the whole idea of inviting people who've either fallen away or don't know Jesus at all and bringing them into an encounter with Jesus, that mm-hmm. seems to be the most petrifying thing in the world for us in the Catholic church globally. And when we start to get that right, it really creates a lot of energy um, in combination with, with forming the ones we have and, and and equipping and empowering them. So I love that you, you see it as one and the other. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just so, that's just so important because it it really, my experience is it really is not something that that we're comfortable with. And so to find a way to break out of our comfort zone, to do things we've never done before, it takes right. a lot of focus, a lot of energy, a lot of intentionality. And so I'll be praying. It does. It does. Uh, you know, and the Holy fathers have all been asking us to reach out to the people on the periphery. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I think part of that can come through what we do already. So, you know, and it's a shift, but it's a shift in terms of like Catholic charities. Uh, now, it's not proselytizing people. It is inviting people to to at least hear the gospel, hear the good news. Uh, and then if they want to move, they move. Uh, but we, we, you know, it, letting the Holy Spirit work is a part of the, the whole gift of this whole thing. I mean, in the end, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit taken over uh, and that's part of why we we've we've laid most of what we do here in the diocese before the spirit of jesus because we we can't you know we can't do anything without him we've got to have him with us all the way uh, and that's actually been the way some of our parishes have gone they've they've realized that people didn't realize the holy spirit was really alive in their lives and how to look for the holy spirit and know the holy spirit and come to to experience the Holy Spirit in their lives. And once that starts happening, boy, then discipleship starts happening. You know? yeah, that's like jet fuel for discipleship, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Very much, so. Yeah, very so, much all, so. If all it is is an intellectual pursuit and a set of different behaviors, uh, it's probably not going to have the impact. It's definitely not going to have the impact that yeah. that it could. And, and it doesn't mean we disengage our brain or our willpower but it means yeah. that we let God take the lead. And yeah. just like your book, like the whole idea of two pages to 75 pages. And, and then all of a sudden that's transforming how you're forming people, how you're unpacking it. I love that you're doing it in the form of a, a study guide because then people get to chew on it, you know, talk about it, wrestle with the words, the language, the concepts, the ideas together. That brings it to life. Like that is so cool, but it doesn't sound like that was necessarily the original plan. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. And uh, but one of the things we found is that people had a lot of questions, but they also it was hard for them to image church. Yes. In the way of thinking of it as making disciples, it's a it's a that's really 
almost seemed like an oxymoron, but you know, <laughs> and so that's that's part of the reason why we 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 went in terms of uh, the way we wrote some of the chapters is you know, family as evangelization. People don't even think of their families doing that, uh, you know, and then really beginning to look at our schools as evangelization and the kind of partnership that needs to happen between the schools, the parish and the families is so significant. We're still, we're still feeling our way through that one at this point, but it's, it's huge. Um, My contention is unless our Catholic schools are putting out disciples, whether they're Catholic or not Catholic, either way, we're not doing what Jesus asked us to do. Uh, And you know, we've got, we pour a lot of money into this and we need to really begin to see some fruit flowing from it. The spirit is working. Some of our kids that graduate are, you know, I think very close to discipleship or disciples, but it's so few. Uh, And then the statistics are scary as the Dickens, you know, when you think of 85% of the kids I just confirmed, unless we have made a shift in their lives, they're going to get eaten alive by the universities, by work, by the military, by life, uh, and uh, you know, and we're we'll losing. Uh, so that's not something I'm wanting to see happen, and that's the reason why I'm I am fully committed to living the Great Commission of Jesus Christ and calling everyone near me. So my my staff, my team. Are, are very much uh, with me uh, on this. And that's mm. one of the approaches we've tried to image to the whole diocese is uh, uh, we got to do it as a team. You can't do it by yourself. And that's my message to all the pastors, all the principals, uh, even our family members. You got to do it as a team and your family. Yeah. Uh, it, it can't be, can't be just one person. Um, yeah. Now, when you're one-on-one with somebody in terms of, Ananias, that's a different story. But, uh, you know, for us as a church, we really need to think of ourselves walking together. One of the things that resonates with me is, you know, you're saying 85% of the kids that we confirm are going to get chewed. They're currently getting chewed up by the world. And I wonder how many of those 15%, their parents, they themselves and their parents were already committed to the church. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, sure. well, we, we keep the people we already had. We don't keep any of the people we never had in the first place, but we're just sacramentalizing. And Correct. what I'm hearing you say is you actually care. Like, yeah. That's not good enough for you. And I'm thinking, oh, that is music to my ears because I don't see, it doesn't seem like a lot of people, they're not talking about it as if they care. Right. <laughs> Because that's a horrifying statistic. Imagine if a family attends, the mother and the father said, you know what? You know, 15% of our kids are going to do great. And the other 85%, they're going to get eaten up by the world. But anyway, pass me the chicken. It's time to go to sleep. Like, like. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's a, that, that, like, no, that's unthinkable. Like the parents exactly. would stand in that gap. They would defend. They would do whatever it took. For the sake of their kids, and as I find sometimes as a church, we're just happy to do the formula of sacramentalization and doing church, even though we know it's not working. 
without really taking a look at the underlying causes and willing to do whatever it takes to turn those numbers around. Yeah, I'm with you on that uh, completely. And that's been part of what we've we've been doing is awareness. Because people, I don't think, were realizing how badly we were hemorrhaging and have been hemorrhaging our young people and our young families, too. If you look around a lot of the churches, they're 50 years and older, very few young families with kids. And that says volumes. Um, you know, I have mentioned earlier, I have 4,000 kids in, in Catholic school, and uh, I would like to see 4,000 disciples coming out. Because we've got kids for 14 years, for heaven's sake. <laughs> if you years. can't make a disciple in 14 years, what God's green exactly. earth are you doing? <laughs> exactly. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? So, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's been our our banter. So we did we did a workshop for all of our teachers and faculty and staff over the last couple of years to just to begin awareness. Just yeah. think in terms of sharing your faith in the classroom with your kids and begin to walk with them. And we've been we've been showing them how to be able to begin to do that. Uh, and uh, we're still in the process of working it out. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, nobody's run screaming for the door, which has been great. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. So, uh, yeah, but it's a challenge. It is. Uh, awareness it is. is huge for people. Well, that's it, it really is. And, and the, the statistics, thankfully, due to Pew Research and all kinds of other great organizations that care about church, they're doing the studies and the research is there. And so there's just this growing body of evidence. And Sherry Waddell just does such a great job of slapping oh, yeah. us in the face with with Did she ever. <laughs> I love her ministry. I love what she does. But but then the piece is the desire. Like so if 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 we bring people to a place of awareness, then we need to wake up that desire. And again, I think that's what you're doing with your workshops and, and, and it's just to wake up this desire because sometimes the problem seems so overwhelming. It's like, well, nobody else seems to care. Why should I, like, I can't, like, it's too big for me, but yeah. what, what I'm hearing you say is let's all just do this together. And you're, you're, I hear you waking up the desire in people. It's like, wait a minute, I can't do it, but maybe together we can do it. Right. That's the idea. That's the hope and prayer. Yeah. And uh, then you're giving people the knowledge because you're, you're intentionally forming them, which is the next phase. If you have the desire, but you don't know how, well, that's just frustrating too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people are afraid, as you mentioned earlier. People yeah. are afraid. And so getting them comfortable, you know, yeah. just telling their own faith story and then comfortable being able to listen to people and then comfortable yeah. being able to talk to people about uh God's love, but whatever they are in their thresholds of faith, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't help a whole lot when we got somebody in front of us and, you know, they may be, you know, uh, in a situation that's not favorable. And, but we start off saying, well, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't win anybody over. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> anybody over we got to start where you know they can hear us and then begin to move them to where they see their life is a wreck you know yeah. and and they need to really move um yeah, so, so that's part of the that's part of the wind build send i think that uh, focus does uh, mm -hmm. they they really have 
got a model that works, I think, uh, very well. So we're we're adapting it, but adopting it also at the same time to our parishes and mm-hmm. some of the workshops we're doing. And uh, uh, you know, uh, I remember giving a workshop to all of our RCIA teams throughout the whole diocese, and it's a quite a group of folk, uh, and uh, they uh, they found it to be eye-opening because they didn't realize that 75% of the RCIA people that we receive into the church disappear after five years. And, you know, our contention with them is that what's happening is we're not, we're not walking with them after RCIA. We're not journeying with them. Ananias just says simply, (laughs) bye-bye. He's not, there's no, there's no connection, and we're not also drawing them into a discipleship process to enable them to be able to tell their story. Uh, they're, they're going out as neophytes, and they're staying as neophytes, and then the world is slaughtering them. And yeah. that's not really what who we're called to be. So, uh, yeah, a lot of our teams were very, very moved and struck and also gone back to the drawing board in terms of how they're approaching stuff. So that's that was good to see, and it was also encouraging to see their faith, you know, and the and the energy that was starting to be generated in their lives. Because some of them have been at this a long time, but uh, they they really saw the gift of this moment of uh, the call to discipleship and be disciple makers. So yeah, I great. love that because for most times, like, hey, great, we got we got somebody, like you know, somebody's come. To faith, they want to become Catholic. Isn't that great? They go through the process. They're in church. It's like coming to church is the goal. Like, why is coming to church the goal? It's not a very high goal. You know, people want to live their life with purpose, passion, and make a difference in the world. And that's that takes more than just coming to mass. It's how do we mobilize them and help them to become life changers, to change other people's lives for the better? Like that's a life worth living. But it is. But if we're not talking like that, if we're not, if those expectations aren't there, then it's like, what? This is all I came for is just to come to church. It's, yeah. it's like, no, that's no, that's not the call. It's way bigger than that. Coming to church is part of it, but it's only part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. good good on you. That is just so fun to hear about how you're looking at this, how you're implementing it, how you're just seeding it into your relationships. How are you, how's the presbyterate? How are they receiving this as you work with your priests and deacons? And how are they, how's that being received? You know, we've got, uh, of course, uh, varying degrees of uh, acceptance on the part of the troops. Out sure. there. Uh, um, you know, they, they've, uh, they've been, you know, kind of listening to this for about three years. And a few of them now have, well, more than a few have begun to move. Uh, and, they're approaching it, you know, we're, we we approach it from the point of view of a process, not a program. And so uh, once they got beyond looking for tell me how to do this only, they were they were able to try things. And so that's kind of what's been happening is the Beautiful. priests have been trying some things to in their parishes to begin to move their parishes where they are right now. Um, the same things happened in our schools. Yes, uh, and we're beginning to work on the different ministries now, also, mm-hmm. um, and you know some of the blessings are what you know we've 
I've shared with you that one particular parish wrote a, a come and see retreat, which is basically a Ananias retreat. Uh, and they had uh, a group of men that uh, went through the retreat and they have a group of women that's going to be next. And it's great to see. Um, and then another group redid their RCIA program com completely uh, and enabled it to become more of a discipleship uh, process journey, if you will. And then another parish took on uh, the, the quad process of discipleship out of uh, Franciscan University. Uh, and they had probably 100 people go through uh, the first year of quads. And they're now at the point where they're, each of those people are going to start a quad themselves. So it's exponential uh, with the intention eventually that each of them will become someone that can walk with our youth and our adults who are, are journeying in faith in that particular parish. And then this past weekend, we just finished a workshop an Ananias retreat actually for a parish and they had 140 people there for that one. And uh, they were, they were deeply moved and fired up at the, at the end of it. And the intention that is that now they'll go into the different groups to, to begin to learn how to really tell their story, how to listen, and then how to walk with someone in faith. So those are just some of the, the, highlights of things that are happening in the diocese right now. Uh, that is so exciting. Just as I listen to you, my, my joy is bubbling up because of just all of those things in the context of relationships and groups so that it's not just a, we're just not forming your brain. We're forming your yeah. brain in the context of authentic relationships and winning over hearts and getting excited and having purpose and vision for those groups to expand and grow and build the kingdom of God. It just, it's fantastic. And yeah, it's I think, been, a, been yeah. a blessing, been a blessing. And the schools actually have begun shifting too. So some of the schools have started the kind of a big brother, big si little sister, big, bro big brother, big little brother, big sister, little sister, and then households and little family units in the school so that they can be much more responsive to one another. Uh, and, uh, begin walking with each other, at least uh, uh, simply. Uh, yeah. So those are starting to happen too. Uh, and uh, that's been a, a blessing to see. Uh, we've got a ways to go, of course, of course. Uh, but uh, course. you know, it's still been a blessing to see the spirit moving mm -hmm. and the creativity of people. Uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm basically giving them kind of the guidelines and the, 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 the different uh, approaches that are possible, uh, but I'm not telling them exactly how to do it. I think they need to begin working on that in their own lived situation. Right. Um, um, the Missio Nostra is just, just an effort on our part to, to get people to begin to really imagine the possibility of a church that's built on the great commission of Jesus Christ. And if they can get there, we can begin really moving as a church. But slowly but surely, it's starting to happen. So. Amen. Well, what I'm hearing too is that, you know, as a bishop, that's the vision piece, like the what would it look like if. And so mm -hmm. you're encouraging and inviting people to dream 
to be radically reliant on the Holy Spirit, on an encounter with Jesus, to fall in love with each other, and to allow themselves to be transformed by the process. And that would go for your priests as well. Like the very process of going on that journey with the people in your parish, your key leaders, is going to transform you. And it's out of being transformed that your impact grows as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so that's sure. my prayer. And I just love, because what I'm hearing too, is you're giving, you're encouraging people to innovate. And as those innovators go forward and try these new things, then we can celebrate them. We can multiply them. People can yep. share them and to really be an encouragement to each other. Amen so, to that. Yep. Wow. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So as, uh, as, uh, as myself and the ministry and as well as the listeners, how can we pray for you and your your diocese going forward as we wrap up here? Well, I just ask that you you know continue to pray for for us as a church, but for the church worldwide. You know that that we as a church can hear what the Holy Fathers, the last four especially, have asked us to do, and that's to to really reach out to the people that are on the periphery and to truly make disciples. Uh, that Jesus has asked us to do. Uh, so pray for us that we can do that and uh, pray that God will continue to raise up the leaders we need uh, that are open uh, to the Great Commission. Uh, and then also pray that uh, our young people also, hearts will be open to receive his word uh, and to really fall in love uh, with uh, his son, Jesus. Uh, and those that are within our Catholic tradition, that they would fall in love with the, the Eucharist uh, and to, to, to come to know him, to serve him, to, to love him, and to witness to him as disciples. Uh, and, uh, and pray that also we'll, we'll have a blessing of people that are disciple makers uh, in the diocese. So yes. pray for that. That would be my... Uh, and of course, pray for me <laughs> that I can continue doing this because uh, it it is quite a shift for us as church. Uh, you know, it really is. But it's also been a blessing to be able to be in this position, to be able to share the love of Jesus Christ in this way. And I'm definitely fired up about it still. And uh, definitely, uh, I would say this is going to be the rest of my episcopacy for sure. So. I couldn't think of a better way to spend it. I will absolutely be keeping you in my prayers and in my travels. If I get down that way, I'll be sure to pop in and see you and spend some time. Sure. Be good to see you, Ron. Thank you so much. God bless you. You too. God bless you. I hope you take the time to pray for Bishop Lou and his mission. What a wonderful man of God. I know another wonderful man of God who has some big news this week. On May the 16th, Father James Mallon will celebrate 25 years ordained as a priest. Please pray for him, his parish of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and his ministry, Divine Renovation. I'll be traveling with some of my team to the Divine Renovation Conference in Dallas this July. I hope you plan to come. You can still get tickets. In the meantime, if you're a bishop or a priest who would like to discuss leadership coaching, team training, or event speaking, please reach out to ronhuntley.com and let's start a conversation also please rate this podcast five stars and share it with a friend god bless i want to encourage you as you lead this week be faithful to god and generous to others see you next time and remember if you're still breathing 
You are powered for impact.